From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Connecting with Walt. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing fine. So, so you know, the the Diz recently had our Walt Disney World show. It's the flagship show. Recently had its thousandth uh, episode. Yeah. I'm very happy to say I was on a handful of those. And so, can you imagine? Gee, what will it be like when connecting with Walt when we have our thousandth episode? It's, hmm. I think about that with every single one of the shows when I. Because before, with all of our shows, uh, for the longest time, we we numbered them in the format where, uh, like, when we put them on iTunes and stuff, it was by date. However, considering almost every single show we do, uh, besides uh, Best and Worst and the Disney Dining Show, basically all the shows, at some point we mention what episode number it is. So I'm like, okay, well... Mm-hmm. We should be leading with what episode number it is, not the date. The date already pops up in your feed mm-hmm. and shows that's the date it was published. So that's not a surprise. Um, so when I I made the choice then when I started numbering them in iTunes like that, like, okay, well, I'm going to make all of these with only three numbers. And <laughs> now I it's like, okay, well, the... The, the Walt Disney World edition is going to cross that, that milestone first, and it's it's about to happen. But then the rest of them, like, maybe I should have did it with, like, three zeros and then one and three zeros and two. And instead of just the the two characters making for three total i know this these are the things that keep me up at night oh so. well, well well i hope you've been proactive with this show so so what so how many years now it's been how many years so to get to a thousand episodes oh uh, for them it's been 12 years uh and i just actually explained this uh recently in the past week or two to someone on the board uh, just to to really give the whole history with how it happened. When the show started, it was a weekly show. Uh, mm-hmm. So one episode was being put out. And then around 2007, late 2007, I want to say, uh, they ended up adding in a second show, which was an email show for the most part. And so they re- they went to releasing two a week. And uh, with that, it's they also made a big mistake in that they would name. They would give the episode number. The to, they would give the same episode number to both episodes released that week. So, oh, okay. uh, if it was an email and a new show, they would both be, for example, like episode fifty. Even though one should be fifty and the next one should be fifty-one. So that went on for about over a year, and uh, then with then in two thousand eight, 
things got uh things expanded even more and that's when they fixed the whole numbering system and each individual episode had an episode number uh but then they started adding even more episodes in and it's like sometimes there there could be anywhere from three to five episodes a, a week it just really really depended on what was happening at the time and uh, then from there, and like I'll really flash forward. I won't go in depth on all of it, but 2013 when we started video, uh, that's when we made the solid decision to only do three episodes a week, a news, and then two segments. And then quickly we got very tired because we were recording all three back to back to back, all live, and it just it, it took a, took away too much out of us. So we dropped down to the two episodes. Then, of course, after uh, Dustin left the company, we decided to start branching off and doing other shows, like, uh, we, just to, to kind of fill in the gaps with the segment instead of going back to that old format, just because it was, it, it was a great format, doing one, one new show and then a segment afterwards, but uh, obviously we want to expand and get bigger, so we went into that whole fashion, and that, that has stuck ever since. But that has ultimately left it with one episode a week unless we're doing something like a 7 and 7 or, uh, or any special interview that might pop up. So that it's taken 12 years, but uh, it's it was never consistent in how it's happened. Okay. And, <laughs> and because of the, the year that they were repeating episode numbers, I... I think we're actually... I still haven't finished doing the final calculations because it's taking forever. But I think we're actually closer to, like, episode 1060 right now. So oh, wow. Okay. I think we blew by well, that a long I, time ago. I, well, I think <laughs> at the rate we're going, by the time we hit our thousandth, this is going to be connecting with Walt the next generation. <laughs> because I don't think I'm going to be around. Hey, so, you but, never know. Crazier never know. things have happened. <laughs> that's oh, that's true. Um, well, anyway, well, congratulations to Thank you. to uh, our our Walt Disney World team and to everyone on the Diz, specifically and to our listeners. Me. Thank no. you, specifically you. <laughs> yes, but, but, yes, but, oh, yes. Congratulations to everyone, but mainly mainly Craig. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so take it from your, take a line from the Muppets. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, last week we spoke with Tokyo Disneyland cast member and Connecting with Walt listener Emil about his experiences at the D23 Expo in Japan. And this week our conversation continues as we talk about the 35th anniversary of the Tokyo Disneyland Resort and what we can look forward to in the coming years at the resort. Let's talk about that. The Tokyo celebrating its 35th anniversary this year, which is very exciting. Uh, how is the resort celebrating? I mean, are we going to see Cinderella Castle redressed as a birthday cake? Uh, so what's going on there? <laughs> that was so popular at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, so, the, 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 the 35th anniversary began here the, the April 15th and um, with a brand new uh, a parade dreaming up and it's it's i think it's 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 very nice i was i remember when it was the 30th anniversary and kevin kidney and jody daly designed most most of the uh, parade for for the resort and um 
listeners, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people here are, are familiar with Kevin Kidney and Jody Daly, two wonderful designers for the Walt Disney Company. Um, they did Sensational for exactly. um, Disneyland. And folks. Happiness is Here was, was the 30th anniversary parade. It was beautifully made in, in like a paper craft style. And it was just, if you haven't seen it, go look it up. But Happy, uh, Dreaming Up is the new parade. And I think it's, it's really, really well made. Um, compared to that, I'm a huge uh, Kevin and Jody fan, so I was I was kind of sad to see that go, but I am I am over it. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So the new Dreaming Up parade consists of you know several floats. Um, it has more like this uh, Fantasia feel to it. You know, it's starting okay. with uh, Pegasus and Mickey and Pluto flying the Pegasus uh, flow with all the Fantasia, more like as more obscure characters. And, you know, the, the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland is in the parade, which is, a, a, as I understand, a very rare character. Um, and there's a lot of flamingos and the Pinocchio field. You, you would love that, Michael. It's It looks like something that just came out of uh, Geppetto's uh, uh, shop. And uh, there's a huge princess float and Beauty and the Beast float. And it's, um, yeah, it ends up with, yeah, and, and you, uh, you mentioned that uh, Baymax, Baymax float before uh, when we talked, and um, that that is really really amazing. And Hero is riding a huge Baymax that's flying through the air, and um, it's it's just very very nice. And I, I know a lot of fans is very happy with with these characters uh, coming to the parade, as long with uh, with this. My my favorite float is is uh, Mary Poppins and Peter Pan. It's kind of like a London float. Where Mary Poppins is, Poppins is is flying with her umbrella uh, over London, it's just so amazing. I'm looking at some of the images of this parade, and it they they're incredible. I mean, just the amount of detail. They remind me a little of, of the whimsy of It's a Small World, and uh, the, that design. But it's amazing. The, the thing that I noticed about Tokyo Disneyland, and I think, Craig, you when you talked about your trip Disneyland Disneyland Paris, is how these parks embrace characters that we don't, we, and films that we really don't see yeah. in the North American parks. Yeah, no, I, I definitely saw that over in, uh, in Disneyland Paris. It was something just that completely caught me off guard that even though uh, some characters are universal, you know, the, the fab five is going to play well, no matter where you go. It it was interesting to see, just see all the rare characters out and about and be so totally embraced. So uh, that's, that's now one of the things that I look forward to when I do get to go finally over to the Asian parks to see how much they take it to the next level. Uh, they do, and, and probably we'll get into this in a bit, but one of the things that struck me when Emil and I walked through um, the park is the is the detail that goes into these. I mean, people talk about the Disney details, you know, that the Imagineers put in. Um, it is at a different level at Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea than what we were accustomed to here. And, uh, and and maybe we'll get into that in just a bit. But this parade is like nothing I think we've seen here. So um, so definitely definitely something I wish I, I'd get to see. 
So what else? So what else is going on? Well, you know, I mentioned that it, you know that this reminds me of some of the whimsy of It's a Small World. One of my big disappointments is It's a Small World was down for refurbishment when when I was out there, and it's reopened. So what what is what 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 have they done to that attraction? Con- contrary, I was very happy it was down because the 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 reopening is amazing and they've done an amazing job over the past few months. And it, that, uh, that was part of the 35th anniversary, exactly, right? Was yeah. the reopening. And it opened on the same day as the, um, as the anniversary began, so April 15. And the facade got new colors. It's more bright. There's a whole, whole new pavement in front of, uh, in front of the attraction. Um, the, for people who've been there, I, I'm sure people remember it's a small world loading area the, the whole big loading area inside the building is was very gall and very um empty it was just these very um huge murals around the the four corners of the room with not too flashy colors and it was it was it was it was strange it didn't feel like small world you know in Anaheim, you have all these whimsical small details that that with clocks and stuff that that spins, and the whole Mary Blair feel was was not present at this loading area. I, I personally really like the, um, of course, Anaheim is my my favorite facade. But in when in in Disney World, you have it all inside, and mm-hmm. they have taken the whole outside facade and, and put it inside. I really like that. But in Tokyo, it was just a big room with nothing. And for people who, who is interested in this, they should really go look it up on the internet because it was really strange. What they have done now is they have taken this entire room and decorated it with amazing details. The, the loading area is now called Small World Station. So above the loading area, there's a small train going around with uh, small characters inside the train, small Marable Air characters inside the train. There's a hot air balloon that goes up and down, and it's just so vibrant colors. It looks like you're thrinked down. You've been thrinked down to Woody and Boss size, and you're in this big playroom filled with giant uh, construction blocks in vibrant colors. And it's just amazing. It's it's they've really done a great job, yeah. And there's a, this huge mural on one of the on one of the walls of Mickey and Minnie in front of Cinderella Castle, and it's all designed by uh, a guy named Joey Chu. He's a graphic designer, and uh, you can you can find him on the social media. Um, he's he's amazing, and he designed all the all the stylization for, for this renewal of the attraction. And there's even, it's a small, narrow way when you, ex, when you ex enter the, um, the building from outside, there's a very, very small, narrow way that goes into the loading area. And this has been painted in, 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 um, in very Mary Blair style colors. And it's this wide gold blue small world facade concept art, which is just amazing and beautiful. And uh, yeah, of course, um, there's the ticket booth because it's a it's a new it's a station now, 
they call it a station and there's a lot of suitcases with you know the, the travel stickers from around the world Norway Egypt and and Argentina and stuff it's it's very very nicely made and there's so many details and a lot of travel posters from around the world um, from Hawaii and and Greenland and yeah it's 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 very nice and it's all designed by by that that uh, guy Joey Chu for people who've been to 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 the Tokyo Disney Resort over the last uh, the past years, um, a lot of people might have stayed at the uh, Celebration Hotels, which is also designed by by Joey Chu, mm. and um, it's it's just very very nicely made. The, the the colors are amazing. It's held in a very Mary Blair style, uh, with these small round headed characters that is just adorable and yeah. Very well made. And of course, yeah, it, it's, yeah sorry. No, well, I was going to say the exterior is painted in the um, multicolor um, that Disneyland in Anaheim had for a while um, before they went back to the original sort of um, gold and white and blue. And But the, but that was the, those are the colors that Rolly Crump and Mary Blair actually uh, envisioned for it. They were not embraced. Um, at Disneyland, but only because those were not the original, you know, colors. This wasn't the original. Did they add characters inside as they've been doing at other parks? Yes, yes. This was actually the main thing that we're going to do to to the ride to add um, to add the the, the Disney characters. Um, a couple of years back, there was uh, a huge plan for the renewal of Tokyo Disneyland, where there was going to move Small World next to Toontown and replace the Small World area in Fantasyland with a huge Alice in Wonderland area. But instead of this, they decided to uh, spice up the original Small World with the characters, and there was always there was uh, they were talking about that at that time as well. And they decided for for this idea because it would. Um, fit the original Tokyo Disneyland concept better to have it's a small world in Fantasyland, and of course, yeah, they added all the, um, the all the Disney characters like Anna and Elsa and Peter Pan, and yeah, I, the same as as overseas. Her- I'm especially very happy for the Hercules and and Pegasus figures in Greece; those are just adorable. Yeah. Excellent. So, well, hopefully I'll get to see that someday. And there's a, there's a, a brand new nighttime spectacular debuting at Cinderella Castle. There's going to be new special effects. They say on a much grander scale, it's going to include water cannons. I really don't know why everything now has to include water. And they said it's going to feature a special theme song for the anniversary. So can you tell us a little about that? Sure, sure. Uh, so I, I haven't seen it yet myself, I, as I believe it started here the 7th or the 10th of June. And it uh, runs one or two times per day and it runs about 20 minutes. And it's a projection show on the Cinderella Castle like they had before. But this is, you know, it, it's called Celebrate Tokyo Disneyland. And it celebrates the different attractions and areas of Tokyo Disneyland. So they start with, for example, Adventureland. And there's a, um, there's a whole tiki room. Um, scene where all the uh, turrets of the castle is turned into the uh, the the tiki room uh, totem poles, and they sing the tiki room song. It's it's very nice, and as yeah, to said as uh, there was water cannons as Mickey is riding a Jungle Cruise boat, and um, then they they go over to um, to Western Land as they call it in Tokyo with the Big Thunder Mountain and the Contra Bears and. 
and there's a uh, haunted mansion section which i personally is very excited for with the uh, grim grinning ghost and a huge madame leota on on um, on the front of the castle and there's some lasers and fires when they when they have the um the tomorrowland section with the uh, boss lightyear and sork uh, battling with lasers so i, I think it's, it's going to be very nice and uh the, of course, as when a new show is emerging, they got to release some merchandise uh, mm-hmm. to the show. And I'm very excited about this merchandise because it has some... Um, can you remember the, the names of the Hitchhiking Ghosts? Is it Ezra, Phineas, and Goss or something like that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. They have these uh, bean bags you can buy. And there's, uh, of course, glasses and keychains and magnets and cookies. But there's also a, a Big L and Wendell uh, plush coming out uh, from the Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, oh, Craig, this, Craig would like those. For this show, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely going to get the Big L. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> so, and it, it, that's why, exactly why I love this uh, Tokyo Disney Resort, because they, they, they tend to really care about the more obscure characters. And there's also the, you know, the dog from, from Pirates of the Caribbean holding the keys. Uh, as a beanbag you can put on your backpack and and i'm definitely also going to get that so <laughs> yeah merchandise is a, very, is a very big thing for for the japanese audience and oh yes yeah i learned that and it's very seasonal like when i was i was there for halloween and you could not you, there was no other merchandise available i mean it was halloween and uh and so um I saw people wearing shirts that I wanted that they had told me, oh, yeah, we bought them here. I had to get them in Hong Kong because they were not on sale at Tokyo because they were not Halloween themed. So <laughs> anyway, but so, so you have to be careful when you go <laughs> if, um, if there's certain merchandise you want. And I, I know that, um, that they have to be releasing special popcorn buckets, right? Because I know they had a really cool one for Donald Duck's birthday. Oh, okay. <laughs> I shipped two boxes, I think, of uh, of popcorn buckets from the from, in total from the um from my trip to the Asian parks. Collect as well, and it's it's it started to be cruising with, <laughs> with the space. But yeah, they're releasing a new popcorn bucket. Uh, for this show as well, with only attraction posters all the way around, and it's actually a three-layer popcorn bucket, so you can um, you can snap it together, and um, it kind of like a telescope together, so you can unfold the popcorn bucket like a telescope, so it gets long, and then on the three rings around, it's like a three pieces that you like telescope out, and they're all the old attraction posters all the way around, and oh, there's. And there is a one attraction poster that I really like. It's called Meet the World. It's one of the older oh, yes. attractions in, in Tokyo Disneyland presented by uh, Japanese airlines. And I, I remember really that. Liked that. That was really nice. I think I saw it right before it closed. I mean, literally, it closed like the next day when we were first there. And so, um, exactly. Yeah. So, but and uh, so I know also at the at the Disneyland Expo at the Dis 
D23 Expo, they announced the expansion plans. Every uh, expansion plans have been announced for almost every Disney park, and that includes Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea. So, what can you tell us what was announced for the Tokyo Disneyland Resort? For the Tokyo Disneyland Resort, there is out there a huge um, uh, announcement of the Beauty and the Beast area that's coming to Tokyo Disneyland, and um, it's a it's a large scale renovation of Tokyo Disneyland. They recently closed the uh, Grand Circuit Rail- uh, Raceway, which is similar to Autopia and Star Jets, to make way uh, to make way. Um, to make space for um, for uh, Beauty and the Beast area, which is going to consist of one e-ticket attraction, um, which I guess is going to be similar to Ratatouille in Paris and um, Mystic Manor in Hong Kong, with you know the trackless vehicles where you're going through uh, the Beast Castle. Oh. And there's going to be a Gaston's Tavern and a meeting grid with Belle in. Um, in her house so that's going to be very very nice it's going to be you know an expansion of uh, fantasy land and uh yeah so we're very excited to see what's what's going on there it, it'd be interesting to see what that attraction is because that'll be unique it'll be very unique yeah and um they're also going to make one more attraction that is not as unique it's going to be the uh, the baymax attraction that's gonna you know make the entrance uh, the, the transition more uh the, the transition better from tomorrowland to fantasyland it's going to be like made of jungle jamboree with uh, baymax pulling around small vehicles and i think it's going to be very cute and they took away this uh, took away the star jets uh, attractions so it's going to be great for the kids to have a, a, a smaller attraction with less weight um to replace that mm-hmm and okay. in in the, in the same uh, in the same amount of time, they're gonna add Soren to Tokyo Disney Sea, and I have absolutely no idea what's going on over there. So, ex- especially um, yeah, especially for this for this attraction, there is nothing out there. Mm, okay, alrighty, sounds good. I assume it'll be the same Soren that we're seeing in all of the other parks. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be more like Renaissance, uh, Renaissance based, as it um, should, you know, combine with the Leonardo da Vinci theme mm-hmm. that's going on at Mediterranean Harbor, uh, the Italian inventor uh, theme. So yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit more, you know, old, old looking. Yeah, according to the concept art, yeah, the ride vehicles are are really cute yeah but you're right they look like hang gliders that that leonardo da vinci would have designed and not the erector set style that we have but what's interesting too is in in the concept art you're right it does look like it's going to be almost like back in time so um instead of contemporary so so it'll be interesting Hmm. But but apart from this, I'm sure a lot of listeners have have seen the new announcement for for Tokyo Disney Sea with the uh, with the largest expansion of Tokyo Disney Sea. They're going to add a new port, which is going to be a fantasy port with the most luxury hotel ever made in a Disney park. And there's going to be a frozen area, a huge Peter Pan area, a Rapunzel area. 
So it's, it's going to be all these fantasy tales merged together. And there's going to be a lot of new attractions. It's going to be a new Frozen attraction, uh, a, a boat attraction uh, based on, 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 on Rapunzel Tangled, where you ride the gondolas. And there are going to be two new Peter Pan attractions with a huge show building um, where you fly over Neverland and uh, battle Captain Hook and his, his crew. And a uh, a new um, Lost Boys restaurant. So oh, this is going to be this is going to be so amazing. All the uh, I'm sure you can find the the, the press uh, the press release out there somewhere on on the begins. And yeah, I was trying to figure out how that fits into the theme of Tokyo Disney Sea. It's going to be interesting to see how they do that. So so. Uh, so this sounds fantastic. I mean, I it make between all of the expansion plans happening at the three Asian parks. It's like I'm thinking, wow! In about five years, I would love to go back out there again. <laughs> and so, um, so, so now, why is the Tokyo Disneyland Resort special for you? Besides that, you're a cast member there. Why is this such a special park? Um, definitely because they have all these obscure characters. I really feel as a fan, you are really appreciated when you, you, you can't be a fan enough. You know, I'm, I'm sure you also have seen these people walking around with like hundreds of, of small teddy bears, um, Mm -hmm. on their backs and they're pin collectors and they show up their collecting in the park. And you know there there's people that only collects haunted mansion uh, bean bags and has like uh, hundreds and take them to the park and put them and take photos of them and you you are not ashamed of being a fan in in in, in Tokyo Disneyland. It's it's a huge contrary when you're going to for example the Paris Park and see how less how few people is wearing actual Disney merchandise and when you when you see this new whole new uh, um, this whole new group of group of people that's going to Disney parks as fans and is Disney bounding and is uh, is dressing up for the occasion. Um, that's something that's that's really coming through in the American parks as well, but not in Paris. You know, if you're Disney bound, everybody looks at you and thinks you're working. Uh, and and in in Japan, everybody tend to to dress up in in pair of clothes and really think about what are we going to wear today because this is a special day. This is really this is a Disney day, so it has to be perfect. It has to be Disney, and I love that all the guests in the park is giving it so much thought, and it's it's really the, lovely. The costumes. That the, and I talked about this in October, and I know, and I know you do this too. The costumes the guests wear in the park are amazing. There were times I did not know if they were actually cast members or they were guests. Uh, the, the, like there was a group of um, sorcerer Mickey brooms walking through the park. I thought they were characters. They were not, and, and uh, because I saw them leaving at the end of the day with the rest of us. And uh, it was just the details of these costumes down to the shoes uh, were amazing. And, uh, and I never saw so many Alice in Wonderlands wandering around a park in my life because they, uh, again, it's not just, it, it's the, uh, 
it's some of the classic films that they're they're really into and you're right they treat their duffy bears i when we when we went to watch the um nighttime shows they lined up they made sure their duffies had better views of the shows than than they did you know they they sat them on the walls and they sat them on benches and all that i thought oh my goodness <laughs> so. Yeah, what you what you're talking about here is 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 only the Halloween season, and and yeah, this this is uh, an event that's con- that's that's been coming back every year with the Halloween season, where where costume uh, is allowed at the park, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's very fun. You know, the more obscure, the better. And people is is you know, I have a, a group of friends that's been the whole country bear jamboree, and they they made all like huge costumes of mm-hmm. of of the bears and walks around in the park all day sweating. Yeah, we we saw people walking around. It, it we were there on a day where it was it was um it it was like being in Orlando in the summer. And and people were walking around in these full Chippendale costumes. And I thought, "How are you doing this?" And um anyway, but they were doing it. Yeah. So, um now now this is an international park, so it, it you know so it's um very you know it's very it's different than you know the North American parks in some ways. But are there ways that you connect with Walt at Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea? Uh, definitely through this. When when you see fans, you really um, you really feel the legacy of of the Walt Disney Company and Walt Disney because this is definitely what he, what he wanted. Uh, to see on an international scale. Um, when you see so many people doing so much research, and I think it's a cultural thing that the Japanese people really tend to study what they're doing. And if they want to know something, they want to know everything. And that's why there's a, such a huge uh, Disney fan community in Japan. And that's why the Tokyo Disney Resort is so strong economy-wise. Um, and there's several Disney fan magazines coming out every month and, and it's just, there's Disney stores everywhere. And, and I really feel that, that this is done right. And this is done in the, in the, um, spirit of Walt. And I, I think he would be very, very proud to see, uh, his park, his a replica of his park on such a great scale. And this is what he envisioned. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. I'm a huge Walt fan, and um, I really tend to study his legacy and study the way he wanted things to be done, because he is um, not only a business good business. He was not only a good businessman, but but uh, he he tends to understand people and tends to understand what people wants and wants to see because he. He was the same. He was people. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think fans of Disney theme parks should include the Tokyo Disneyland Resort on their bucket list? Uh, definitely because of Tokyo Disney Sea, because people who are fans love to see Tokyo Disneyland, Hong Kong Disneyland, Disneyland Paris. You know, it's it's always fun to walk down Main Street. That you have walked so many times before, but this is a little bit different. Um, people love that and love to ride the Jungle Cruise here, here and there. And 
but but Tokyo Disneyland is a totally unique park, and it's just every every single time I take uh, overseas friends to to this park, people are amazed of the detail. You know, the the whole centerpiece is, is a giant volcano that erupts every once in a while. They have the the most amazing area, my favorite area in any any Disney parks ever, which is the mysterious island with the full scale Nautilus and Journey to the Center of the Earth attraction, a wonderful twenty thousand leagues under the sea attraction, and it's just it's just amazed amazing. You are so immersed immersed in in inside a different world, and the whole American waterfront area with the High Tower Hotel. It's just people. People should not see it on Google. People should go see it because it's it's the worth the whole trip. So I agree. Definitely go go see it. <laughs> I agree. And and as you showed me when we walked around, how um, there's not even like the walls, whereas walls t- will be blank in areas of our North American parks. They are the Imagineers have decorated them and themed them and and all that. I mean, so the, the detail that have that's gone into these parks is is at a scale we're not accustomed to. I also believe that that Oriental Land Company has a different budget than the Walt Disney Company that's running the North American parks. So, so it's it's possible to to do this not over decorating, but 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 completing the decoration and completing it with props and and vintage posters and yeah. So definitely go live it. Great. Well, Emil, thank you so much for joining us on Connecting with Walt to share the, the you know your experiences in Japan with us, and we'll look forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, go no, go ahead. There, there was actually one more thing I wanted to uh, to to talk about at the uh, at the D twenty three Expo that I never got to. Oh yeah, and it was uh, my favorite thing actually, my my highlight of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got off track, so. Um, <laughs> The, the last exhibition we went to was was the 35th anniversary of Tokyo Disneyland exhibition, and I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, and um, it was uh, held at the uh, Tokyo Disneyland Hotel, uh, as well as the, um, the the other exhibition was held at uh, at Miracosta. Mm-hmm. So this was the hotel halls, and when you entered the um, the exhibition, there was the park maps of of Ever since the resort was was started and programs on a whole wall covered in in old park maps, it was really really amazing. And this exhibition would be the contrary to, uh, or would be the, the the Japanese version of what you would say into Imagineering in 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 the American Expo. And I didn't knew that. I wasn't aware. I thought there was only a preview of the 35th anniversary goods and uh, merchandise. But this exhibition held everything you could imagine pulled out of the archives from Walt Disney Imagineering. It was old, uh, hand-drawn maps of the different areas. It was models of Space uh, Splash Mountain, old merchandise you could purchase like 30 years ago in the park. Mm. Um, there was um, there was a particular display that I really, really liked from... Uh, um, from an old attraction uh, called uh, Cinderella Mystery Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour, 
that oh, has yeah yeah i don't know if you if you ever if, if you ever been down there they closed it right before our very first visit there i never understood why they closed it it just sounded amazing it's 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 really really amazing yeah it closed in 2006 and was one of my absolute favorite attractions with you know, it, it has this amazing animatronic of the Horn King from Black Cauldron that you have to defeat with a sword in order to get a hero's medal. And they had all these props on display in, at this exhibition along with with tons of costumes from uh, the previous parade, the, uh, the, um, the Jubilation Parade. Um, portraying all the attraction with Space Mountain costumes, with Space Mountain skirts and Toontown costumes where all the different uh, costumes were, were different buildings of Toontown and Benny the Cab. And, and uh, it, was a, it was an amazing exhibition. And uh, I, I, I hardly think there's anything out there on the internet because this was uh, strictly prohibited to, to, to take photos in there. Mm-hmm. And there was um, ride vehicles from um, from Otopia and the Star Jets that recently closed, and some of the old Nautilus models made for 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 Tokyo Disney Sea, and um, uh, parade float models and miniature scale, and there was a lot of uh, old merchandise concept art. Larry Nikolai um, had made a painting for for the Honey Mansion when they transferred that into the Holiday nightmare back in the days and he had a big painting there uh with jack and sally dancing in the in the hall it was amazing and there was of course a whole presentation of the beauty and the beast expansion with a miniature model uh cool um yeah showing the whole area and transformation in in miniature scale and how they're gonna transform the original mary blair dolls into the disney style uh, small world figures. So there's so some of the original puppets next to Mulan. So you can see how much, uh, how little difference the face, the face actually was going to be, but the costume is going to change, and the, you know, this this stylization is going to change a little bit. But it was very very cool to see all these um, treasures taken out of the archives of Walt Disney Imagineering and and Oriental Land Company. That's cool. Yeah, that's one of the highlights. It was one of the reasons to go to one of the, to a D23 Expo because you get to see things like that. So, again, thank you for sharing all of this with us, with our listeners, for you know letting us travel virtually to Japan and, and giving us all a, a really good reason, many reasons to travel and celebrate the 35th anniversary over there in um, Tokyo. And we'll look forward to seeing you uh, next year at the D23 Expo in Anaheim, since, I, since you told us you are coming out there. So looking forward to that. So, okay. Okay, well, thank you very much, Emil, and we'll see you real soon. Yeah, we'll see you real soon. So, Craig, with all the expansion plans coming to the Disney parks around the world, which ones have you the most intrigued? Oh, that's, that is a very loaded question. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe for me it would be I, I think the Beauty and the Beast editions in Tokyo. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know why. B- 
Beauty and the Beast isn't even my favorite Disney movie. It, it's not even up there in probably my top ten of favorites. But I, I think it, I think it's because it's such an anchor of our new fantasy land that I want to, I want to see how it comes to life over there. If it's bigger and and more grand and. I, I, something about it is just like it, it's very intriguing to me as well as obviously like Frozen and, and the other announced parts of it but um, it, that's what stuck out to me from the very beginning Beauty and the Beast so mm-hmm. well, what about you? You know there there was so much it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Frozen because it, they're not inheriting an attraction you know, and an area. This is going to be one that they're building Arendelle, and yeah. they're building attractions from scratch. So I'm really intrigued by that, and and what what kind of food are they going to have in there, and entertainment, and and things like that. Then the other one is, you know, then they, then they have that in Tokyo. What they're doing the Peter Pan area, mm-hmm. and I'm I thought wow, I'm really intrigued to see what is. What are they going to do? But yeah, that, that Peter Pan area, that just sounds cool hmm. and surprising. So, uh, but anyway, but we'll see. But yeah, I think I think for me, Frozen, and again, you know, that's not one of my, my top films, only because, you know, Disney just, they just milked that golden reindeer. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, um you know, and luckily they've laid low on it. I, th- I think that they, they had... I think Moana was a superior film to it. I thought Tangled was a superior film um, I, for yeah. me. I found those more intriguing. I, I agree stories with that. And, yeah. and all that. I found the characters more interesting. I, I thought Coco was a better film. Um, I understand, though, the attraction um, you know, of Frozen, but I, I think they can create a really unique environment, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, it is that time again. It is your favorite part of the show and mine. It's this day in Disney history quiz. And this is for the week of July 28th. Well, let's run through the rules for uh, for you, although I know you know them, and for our players at home who are playing our home version of the game. If you choose not to hear the multiple choice options, you will receive three points for a correct answer. If you choose to hear the multiple choice options, you will receive two points for a correct answer. If you ask me to remove an incorrect option, you will receive one point for a correct answer. If you correctly answer the question after your opponent answers it incorrectly, you will receive one point some questions may have opportunities to earn bonus points you can earn one point for each bonus question correctly answered in the event of a tie there will be a tiebreaker question you may find having a pencil and paper nearby helpful for the bonus question so willis any questions um i don't think so not at the moment all right and for our our folks playing at home no um Binging and yeah, yay, hooing and asking Alexa or Siri for these questions. All right, Willis, this used to be an advantage choosing whether to go first or second, but as you will find out, it isn't any longer. So uh, now it's strategy, it's all about strategy. As our guest, you have the choice do you want to receive the first question or pass it on to Craig? Hmm. 
I think I'm going to throw caution to the wind, and I'll just be the guinea pig first. All right. So you're going to receive the first question. All right. This is for July 28th. Retired astronaut Buzz Aldrin takes the controls of this Disney attraction on July 28th, 2003, during the filming of an ABC television segment featuring this attraction. Hmm. Unfortunately, I have some ideas, but I'm going to go ahead and take the multiple choice. All right. Is it A, extraterrestrial alien encounter at the Magic Kingdom? B, mission space at Epcot? C, Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters at Disneyland? Or D, test track at Epcot? Hmm. I don't think it's A, because I remember when I was going to Walt Disney World in the late 90s, I went on that attraction. Um, I think I'm going to go with B, mission space. Be Mission Space. That's your final answer. Yes, it is. You are correct. Retired astronaut Buzz Aldrin, of course, he was of the Apollo 11 mission to the moon, takes the controls aboard Mission Space at Epcot during the filming of an ABC television segment that features the new attraction. This segment will be shown August 15, 2003, on, eight, on ABC TV during the network's airing of the feature film Mission to Mars. Great. You are two points right out of the gate there, Willis. Woohoo. <laughs> All right. You're off to a good start. Okay, Craig, for July 29th, 1922, Walt Disney releases his first Laughagram cartoon. What is the name of the cartoon? Oh, gosh. Didn't we already I... cover this on an episode, too? <laughs> well, you did. Yeah, well, that's a uh, multiple choice. <laughs> a, Little Red Riding Hood. B, The Four Musicians of Bremen, C, Puss in Boots, or D, Cinderella? Oh, um, this is not, this just completely slipped out of my mind. Um, I'm going to say, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm I'm just stalling right now. I'm gonna go with Oh <laughs> this isn't a good start for me. Um I'm gonna go with B, the four musicians of Bremen. Final answer? Yeah. Okay, that is incorrect. Uh-huh. Okay, so Willis, it's over to you now. You can steal this for one point. What film did Walt Disney release on July 29th, 1922? His first laughogram. Was it Little Red Riding Hood, Puss in Boots, or Cinderella? Hmm. For some reason, I don't think it'd be Cinderella. Um, yeah, like you, Craig, I'm going, I think I've heard this before, but I, I think I'm. Gonna, I think you said A was Little Red Riding Hood. That, uh, yes, I did say that. Okay, I think I'm going to go with Little Red Riding Hood A. Okay, and you chose well. That is correct. I actually listed Ooh. these in the order they were released. Yeah, that oh, was wow. the first Laughagram cartoon, and it's a silent black and white short. And it's considered Walt's first full length cartoon short because prior to this, he was only releasing one minute long um, films. So. That was my second guess. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Willis, it's over to you now for July 30th. Walt Disney's first full-color animated film and the studio's first Technicolor cartoon premieres at Groman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood on July 30th, 1932. What was the name of the cartoon? And bonus points are available for this one. Okay, you said it was 1932? July 30th, 1932. First full-color animated film. Walt Disney's first okay. full-color animated film, yeah. Okay. And so the first one, Technicolor cartoon. Okay. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to take the uh, multiple choices again. Okay. Is it A, the band concert, B, the goddess of spring, C, flowers and trees, or D, the old mill? Hmm. Oh, I think I've heard this before as well. Um, so can you repeat them again, please? Sure. It's A, the band concert, B, the mm -hmm. goddess of spring, C, flowers and trees, or D, the old mill? I don't know. I'm, I, I've learned when listening to this to sort of try to go with my gut instinct, whether it's mm -hmm. right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the one that's drawing me is um, C, the flowers and trees. For some reason, that seems correct. I'm maybe, you know, 25% chance, so, but I'm going to go with fl um, C, flowers and trees. Okay. It we always tell people go with your gut, and I see Greg nodding his Craig nodding his head. Yep. C, that is correct. <laughs> oh this my God. 29th wow. Silly Symphony is considered a landmark, and in Disney Animation, it earned Disney the first Academy Award ever given for a best cartoons short subject. Okay, excellent. So you have five points, Willis. Craig, Craig, got to get on the boards here. Okay. I'm gonna try. So here, here you go. <laughs> Oh, oh! I'm sorry. There are bonus questions. Um, oh. So since you got this, you got the bonus question correct, Willis. You can try for it first. What MGM feature film did Flowers and Trees precede? Ooh. So this is 1932. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, well, or fortunately, I wasn't born then. So <laughs> I'm trying to even even I wasn't. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what movies would have been then, because most of the ones I'm thinking of would started later. I, unfortunately, I just have no clue as to what it would be, so I'm not even venture a guess. Okay, Craig, do you want to take a stab at it for a point? I have zero clue. I can't okay. even think of anything off the top of my head released in 1932. Okay, um, Strange Interlude, starring Norma Shearer and Clark Gable. So, okay, I'm going to give you uh, another opportunity for a bonus question with this, Willis. <clears throat> Excuse me. What other Disney short was also released on July 30th, 1932? Um, unfortunately, again, I, I know, don't really know much about all the shorts, especially back in the, you know, the early days. So, again, I have no clue for that. So I'd just be guessing randomly. So, Okay. Craig, do you want to give this a shot? I've, I've got nothing. Honestly. Okay. It was just dogs, and it was the final black and white silly symphony, and one of only two silly symphonies to feature a character named Pluto. Huh. Uh, yeah, I okay. like to learn something new every day. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. So, Craig, over to you for July thirty first. 
Walt Disney's ninth Mickey Mouse short, The Carnival Kid, directed by Walt Disney, is released on July 31st, 1929. Mickey sells hot dogs at the fair, heckles rival barker Cat Nip, and serenades shimmy dancer Minnie with the help of two rowdy cat pals. Mickey speaks his very first words in this short. What are Mickey's first words? And bonus points are available. Uh, multiple choice. Okay. Did he say A, hiya, Minnie, B, oh boy, C, gee whiz, or D, hot dogs? I'm pretty sure I remember this one. I could be. I'm going to go with D, hot dogs. You are correct. That is exactly what he said. Mickey's very first words. Okay, I am going to give you the bonus question now, Craig. What does the Carnival Kid inspire Story Man and Adult Musketeer Roy Williams to later create? Um... Uh... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Willis, do you want to give this a shot? What does the Carnival Kid inspire Story Man and Adult Mouseketeer Roy Williams to later create? And it was based off of this. um, Off the Carnival Carnival Kid. Kid. Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to say it was like a corn dog, but I don't think that was, I think that was created somewhere else. Um, Why not? I'll just say corn dog because, you know, hot dog, corn dogs, why not? No, you know, when Mickey met Minnie, he tipped. He wasn't wearing a hat, so he tipped his ears. And so Roy Williams created the famous Mickey Mouse ears hat. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Never knew that. Never knew where I thought... I never knew where they were created from, so that's really great to hear. Yeah. Now, Now, everybody go on the YouTube when we're done and look for the Carnival Kid, see if it's there can see it all right uh willis over to you august well craig you got two points so it's five to two willis is still in the lead um so willis for august 1st here um disneyland sponsors um disney night at the hollywood bowl in california on august 1st 1958 where walt disney first meets helen klein what will be her disney connection her name is Helen Klein, you said? Mm-hmm. I have never heard of her, so I'm going to have to go with the multiple choices. Okay. A, Walt will hire her as one of his famous housekeepers. B, or his family housekeepers, but they some of them were famous. B, <laughs> she will be hired as a friend of Princess Aurora, Sleeping Beauty, at Disneyland prior to the film's debut. C, she will be hired as a friend of Tinkerbell at Disneyland. D, she will be hired as a friend of Alice shortly after the Alice in Wonderland attraction debuts at Disneyland. Hmm, wow. Okay, I don't think, I mean, again, I've never, when you've talked about the Disney family and, you know, their, um, the maid, it was always, um, what, Fru-Fru was her name, or? Um, that was her nickname. Right, her nickname. I've only heard you ever t- mention her, um, and I the name doesn't ring a bell when it comes to Tinkerbell. So I'm thinking either Aurora, um, because again, you said 1958 or Alice. Um, 
I'm going to go with um, B for um, a friend for Aurora for Sleeping Beauty. Okay, final answer. Yes. Okay, that is incorrect. Okay, Craig, over to you. Uh, uh, Walt Disney meets Helen Klein. What what is her Disney connection? What will it be? I'm gonna go with uh, Willis's second choice on that and go with D. Alice. No, that is incorrect. The Ooh. highlight of Disney Night Hollywood Bowl is a 1,000 foot glide over the audience by Helen Tiny Klein. Klein, dressed oh. as Tinkerbell for wow. the very first time. Three years later, she will appear nightly at Disneyland to do her part in Tinkerbell's magical flight. Huh. Heidi was 71 years old when she made her first flight over Disneyland and continued until her retirement in 1964. Wow. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> All righty. Okay, so uh, Craig, over to you. It's, it's still five to two for Willis. Um, Craig, what does the Walt Disney Company announce on August second, nineteen eighty nine? Hmm. Uh, well, multiple choice. <laughs> A, the opening date for the Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot Center. B, plans to double the size of the Disney MGM Studios theme park. C, the opening date for Star Tours at the Disney MGM Studios. Or D, the Disney Afternoon Programming Block debuting in 1990. What was A again, sorry? The opening date for the Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot Center. Um, I've, I've got two in mind, but I need points so i'm gonna i'm gonna eliminate one all right i am going to eliminate c the opening date for star tours at the disney mgm studios okay i that was one of the ones i was thinking so i'm gonna go with the other one and my other one was uh b the expansion the plans to double the size of the Disney MGM Studios theme park. Yeah. That is correct for one point. Excellent. One's better than so, nothing. That's right. So five to three, you're catching up there. Okay, Willis, for August 3rd, eight-year-old Raymond Sleeper from Hawaii becomes the 10 millionth passenger to ride the Disneyland Santa Fe Railroad on August 3rd, 1960. Who rides with Raymond? Okay, you said 1960. Mm -hmm. um, who rides with him? I'm thinking this is sort of a trick question because um, I could see we could go in multiple directions depending on where it went. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe and go with the uh, multiple choices. Hey, was it A. Mickey and Minnie Mouse? B. Walt Disney? C, the Mouseketeers, or D, Kevin Corcoran, better known as Moochie. Moochie, okay. Hmm. Well, I figured at least two of those answers, or at least part of one of them. Huh. Because I'm thinking 1960. I mean, you, would, you almost want to go with 
the obvious with his Walt Disney, but but to being a ten year old boy that may not you know he would be probably sort of blase about mm-hmm. if he well he was he was Walt. eight years old if that makes oh, sense oh eight year old sorry no I mean eight ten years old I mean uh, I think I'm gonna go with a Mickey and Minnie. That is incorrect. Okay, Craig, over to you. Who rode with Raymond? What was B again? Sorry. B is Walt Disney. C, the Musketeers. D, Kevin Corcoran, better known as Moochie. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with B, Walt. Well, and you would be correct. Raymond takes his historic ride along with Walt Disney. Okay, you are creeping up. (laughs) (laughs) You are creeping up here, Craig. Five to four. Okay. And normally that would be over, but, you know, we're we're evening this out. So it is a trivia question. And, Craig, you're going to go first here. So, because it's your it's your turn. Um, the Daily Mickey Mouse newspaper comic strip debuted on January thirteenth, nineteen thirty. Who was the original artist for this comic strip? Do I still get uh, multiple choice and stuff? Um, With this, no, one? No, no. You have to tell me who it is. I, I have to tell you who it is. Oh, goodness. Well, gracious. you know. Um, you know what? I, I'm no. I'm going to run through it with you because this is a slightly different question. It's it is a trivia question. So anyway, okay, and you'll get three points if you get it right, and then we'll go over. You know, okay. to Willis if you don't. Okay, is it A. Win Smith, B. Floyd Gottfriedson, C. Ub Iwerks, or D. A. Taliaferro? Al Taliaferro. Um, without getting multiple choice, I was going to guess Ub Iwerks. So I'm just going to stick with that. Okay. You are correct. He was, had been the designer of Mickey Mouse for Walt Disney. He was the original comic strip artist. He drew it for one month. And then it went over to Winsmith. <laughs> so you, excellent. So you pulled it out here. Seven to well, five. Well played, Craig. Well played. Very well played. <laughs> no, that, it, that was tough. That was a tough one. So your questions were way easier at the first start, but that got very difficult. Willis, you did a great job as our very, very first listener on on our trivia quiz. So our history quiz. So I hope you had as good a time as we did. Oh, I had a blast. I mean, this was really fun. I mean, I even learned a lot more than I, you know, than I hadn't known before. So, you know, hopefully, you know, another listener or one of us or I'll even get a chance to do this again one time because this was really fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm glad you did. Yeah, we we enjoyed having you. And uh, well, we don't want you to go away empty handed. You know, we always do give away, you know, consolation prizes. So um, so we want you to to we're giving you a month's supply of Wink. It's soda. It's the sassy one from Canada Dry. Take a sip and you'll flip for Wink. Ooh, I love sassy things. So that's wonderful. <laughs> Can't wait to get it and try it. Yes. All righty. Well, we will see you in the parks. See you then.
If you'd like to hear more about the Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Shanghai Disney parks, check out episode 38 of Connecting with Walt, in which I share my experiences at Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea, and my China Adventures by Disney trip to Hong Kong and Shanghai Disneyland with stops at the Forbidden City, the Great Wall, and more. We'll have a link to that episode in our show notes. So, Craig, where can our listeners connect with you on the Diz Unplugged until next time? Uh, as always, you can find me Tuesdays on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, Thursdays on the Universal Edition podcast, Wednesdays on the Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, Random Days on the Viz Daily Fix, and on Twitter and Instagram at Teleclaster. What about you, Michael? What? You can always send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com, Twitter at mbowling121, Facebook, Michael Bowling, Instagram, Michael Bowling that is, and find me and Craig on our Connecting with Walt Twitter page at Connecting Walt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. <laughs> <laughs>